0: Hello and welcome to Biz Quick. I'm Corey.
1: And I'm Julie.
0: And today we have Ross Winfield, who is the president and advisor for Freedom Wealth Management out of Virginia Beach. Welcome, Ross. That's right, you're listening to Biz Quick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. BizQuick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions.
2: And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? Doing great. Just trying to make today better than yesterday. Yep, we can appreciate that for sure.
1: We sure can.
2: So, Ross, why don't you
0: go ahead and tell us a little bit about your company? I'm sure we can all, you know, picture what a wealth management company is, but what is it that you specifically do?
2: So our agency is a little bit different in the industry in that we've been around quite some time. Founded in 1928 by family that was in existence until 2016 when I took over. The agency is actually based around insurance. Initially, we did a lot of life insurance. Uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, we got into employee benefits and health insurance. and Along the way, we also started doing investments in financial planning. So our actual company does insurance planning and investment planning for individuals small and large-sized businesses all throughout the state of Virginia, but all throughout the country as well.
0: Real quick, I want to clear something up, because um, the way it sounded when you said it, it sounds a little nefarious, but you said that there's a family that was in existence until 2016, until you took over. Is this some sort of a crime family?
2: Uh, not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> I was ran by one family who ended up selling it to uh, myself, um, in 2016. Okay. Gosh. I thought we
1: were about to step into a, you know, crime popular yeah. true crime podcast. Yeah. I was getting a little bit excited. Yeah.
2: That's in, uh, yeah, that's in the second part of the podcast. We're we'll
1: talking about. That. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, that's that's, uh, I mean, definitely a, a different approach to to financial wealth, and you know, this being a small business podcast, I want to jump into, to that in terms of what. Uh, small business owners or anybody who is thinking about opening a small business, you know, some of the things that they should consider when opening a small business from like a, a financial health perspective, like what would you recommend, you know, kind of like big picture, and then we can kind of dive into the details from there.
2: Well, I think everybody has different ideas on what they think will be successful for small businesses. And as you see, by all the different TV series, like Shark Tank, there are a lot of different great ideas out there. I think what makes this people successful is having strong relationships to help them with those ideas, and we deal with small businesses all the time, and usually what we like to see them have is a strong banking relationship to start off, so we like to try and develop a banking relationship with this local community bank as opposed to the larger banks, and that That relationship, they can leverage on many different levels. One, they can help them with financing and what actually makes sense to start a business, what makes sense to have in cash or in their retirement accounts. But more importantly, it helps them develop relationships on new aspects of their business. How am I going to grow? How am I going to send whatever product um, to my clients? How am I going to get it out there? Bankers are really good centers of influences for the startup businesses.
0: And you hit something there talking about assets and cash and all of that. And one of the things that we were talking about before this was leveraging debt versus using your own assets. Um, we have a lot. We've 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 talked to a handful of people who have started businesses or or want to start a business, and they're they're risk adverse. and so they want to do it all with cash, all with their own capital, and they don't want to take out any debt. And for some people, that's almost like a um, you know, a badge of honor you can say, Hey, I did this all on my own. I didn't have to ask for any money. I, on the other hand, come from the school of you spend somebody else's money whenever you can. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: Now I would, I would agree. Uh, I think there are quite a few people that are risk averse and I think that most of the time you need to look at leveraging banks. That's what they're there for to come up with uh, capital using other people's money. Um, We've also seen multiple times where people are going out and find investors as opposed to local banks if they have a great idea. So they're not having to come out of pocket. So they're actually maybe selling some shares in the company upfront for liquidity, uh, but not actually coming out of pocket with cash. So I would agree. I think that tying all your assets up in a business is is honorable, but it's not always the smartest way to do, because what if the business doesn't take off as quickly as you think it, as it should, or um, can and now you no longer have liquidity. So uh, banks only help successful companies most of the time. And if you are in trouble as a small business, it's a lot harder to get a loan as opposed to starting out from the beginning and using a little bit of money from the bank to get your company started while having cash on the side.
1: Is there a good um, number or percent, like what ratio should people be looking for when they're considering taking on a loan from a bank? Uh,
2: that's a very good question. Um, most of the time, you're going to want to bring almost like a house, you're going to bring anywhere from 10 to 20% to uh, in cash to the actual, I would say, dance to the business. Uh, but I would always make it dependent on what is the, what is the actual community bank? Everyone's different. You know, we have banks that are really, really small community banks and require you to come to the table with a lot more money. Um, and we have some larger community banks that really just want to know that you have assets on hand that could actually bail you out if you need to help. And they'll leverage. They'll give you a lot more of a loan, which is what I would do if I was uh, starting a business. So then I'm not using my own money. You always have your own money to fall back on, but you're using bank money first to actually start the company.
0: And would you recommend that in terms of growing a business as well? Like again, you know, because a lot of people like you want to invest in your business, invest in your business, but at a certain point, like if you want to expand or or buy a large piece of equipment or something like that, again, is that something that you would recommend trying to to leverage as much as possible?
2: Yes, especially if you have cash flow. I think a lot of times when you have successful businesses, they they all of a sudden have an increase in cash flow and an increase in demand. So The cash flow isn't all up front. It's not like someone all of a sudden dumps a pile of money, but you might have it every single month. So if you can actually use the bank to create a bunch of um, capital, then you can actually now go out and buy all the products that you need or the equipment that you need or even the help that you need, which is a lot of what ends up happening as a business grows. Um, You may not need equipment, but you need good people. And with good people, you might need to have some kind of bonus system to get them in in front of you um, to find the better employees out there. I think what normally happens with small businesses, all of a sudden now I'm becoming very successful. We were actually talking to an IT company um, that five years ago, they only had uh, five employees. Now they're up to 36 employees. And they're trying to figure out, they're picking up a government contract where they're picking up 2,600 new Um, users is what they call it and they can't figure out how they're going to find people so usually small businesses they become very successful and then they're trying to figure out how do they keep up with that growth and if you use leverage from the bank to be able to go out and find good people then you can actually grow a lot quicker and a lot more manageable Um, if you don't then I just don't think you're able to find the successful people out there you might just hire anybody just to fill a role and that's not what a successful business
1: right we've seen hiring is a very very tricky area for a lot of small business owners and just being able to find quality employees we have a number of clients who struggle with that what are your thoughts on um, borrowing against your 401k
2: so I think it is an option and obviously that is a lot of people's biggest asset uh, which I always say try not to make that your, your, your biggest asset um, especially as you're growing, it's better to have assets that are more liquid, you know, just investment accounts. But if you were going to do it, it's it's definitely a viable option. Um, I would say to only take out a percentage, they limit how much you can pull out anyway, you can really only pull out up to $50,000 in most cases out of your 401k um, to leverage a business. But you can usually use a 401k as leverage for a bank to actually get a loan. So as long as you have it as an asset, the bank's considered an asset, and you can actually use it as kind of a leveraging tool. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, getting back into the people part of it, since you do uh, benefits and all of that, like a, a lot of small businesses, we've talked with people who, you know, they're um, almost 100% uh, 1099 employees, that, you know, or they're just small businesses or whatever, like getting into the benefits part. Like, I mean, what, when should people really start considering like those benefits? Cause obviously we all want to offer benefits, but it doesn't financially make sense sometimes. Um, you know, and like, like where to start and like, how do you grow that?
2: Great question. And um, the benefits world has changed and actually changes from state to state. So I would say specifically, make sure you understand how it works in your state. In the state of Virginia right now, you can actually start um, benefits as a company and offer a complete benefits package without paying for it, which is crazy. Um, four years ago, you, could, you had to start, if you started, let's just say health insurance, I'm a small business, I want to actually provide health insurance to my employees, I would have to pay 50% of their costs to offer them a group health insurance plan. Those rules are no longer in existence. So now I can still offer the group health insurance as a benefit, but let's just say, Corey, you're one of my employees. You would now, I could actually have you pay 100% of your own cost. Um, so then you say, okay, what's the benefit of that? The benefit of that is you can usually get a better plan under a group now than you can as an individual, and it usually is less expensive. So the whole world has changed in regards to benefits, what I should offer, and what makes sense to me as a as an employer the problem becomes if you want to find good people out there that want to switch from a current job that they usually like it's going to be harder to find them if you don't have a benefits package so usually what we say is it dependent on your next employee so if the next employee is someone that needs benefits that's when you should consider um, what does it look like how much does it cost and is it worth that kind of risk because it is a risk to pick up people's benefits. It ends up being one of the largest expenses for small, small uh, employers when they're actually starting up businesses. So you just have to make sure you're willing to take on the risk. But by, by taking on the risk and actually offering benefits, now you actually are able to pick up much better employees. People really like to see that the employer is dedicated and actually putting money in on their behalf. And as most people know now, Healthcare is very expensive, um, especially on the corporate side.
1: I, I literally before we jumped on this podcast, I was wrapping up a phone call uh, with a friend who has a he's a small business owner and he has an employee he really really wants to hire and he doesn't offer benefits and so he is. He's like I don't I, I can't hire him without the benefits because he, he needs them and he's really good and so this is such a great advice for for um, perfect very very good timing and I, I can't wait to share it with him by telling him to listen to the podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and that's I mean uh, we didn't plan that at all but it's a great segue into my next question for for people because I think the finance side of things the, the just ballparking calculating whatever like it's something that a lot of people just kind of put their head in the sand because they just they don't want to think about it it's not something a lot of us got any schooling on you know like there, there are very few classes that, you know like i was a business major and i've had very few finance type classes um is there like kind of a ballpark number that somebody like a percentage that somebody could factor in when they're trying to figure out, okay, like if I'm going to give this person this hourly rate or this salary, I can expect that I'm probably going to have to pay about this much more in benefits. And I know that it varies depending upon what those benefits are, but like, is there just kind of that ballpark? So when they're starting to crunch some numbers?
2: Uh, I wish I could say yes. Um, The reality is there isn't. And it's because it's multiple factors. One, how much am I paying this person? And two, how old are they? So benefits are so much based on age at this point, which they have always been, especially for small companies. So, you know, Julie, you just mentioned that you were talking to one of your friends or one of your, uh, another gentleman that works and he's trying to figure out if he can hire this person and he's just not sure he's going to be able to because of benefits. Well, how old is the person that they're trying to hire? And does it make sense for that person to hop on a group health insurance plan? offer other benefits, or does it make sense for them to go through the Affordable Care Act and just have an individual health insurance plan? Well, I couldn't tell you that unless I could tell you how much he was making every year. You know, if this person was making $30,000 a year, then it would probably make a whole lot of sense to put them on an affordable care individual health insurance plan, and the benefits don't make that much of a difference at that point. But if they're making $80,000, $90,000, $100,000 a year, the Affordable Care Act does not work for them. It ends up being a much more expensive cost, and now the group benefits or the employee benefits you offer through the company are much more attractive. The premiums are less expensive. Um, it co- it, the deductibles and co-payments are less expensive under the corporate plan than they are under the Affordable Care Act, so there are a lot of variables, and you really have to do your homework and make sure you have someone that you can talk to about it because the numbers can be drastically different. So my family and I, just so you have an idea, there's four kids, uh, me and my wife, and we pay, and we're on a group plan through the company. I think we pay right now about $1,600 a month. And that is for a $5,000 deductible. So, you know, we're talking real numbers and you have to decide, okay, well, I'm hiring this person. You know, it's not just him anymore. It's not just him and his wife, it's now him, his wife, two children, how much is that really going to cost? And as a company, what am I willing to pay? I don't have to pay all of it. I don't even have to pay any of it, as you heard me say earlier in the segment. But if I want to pick him up, he's already getting something from his current position. What do I need to do to match that or come close to it so he's willing to leave and start something new? Um, so the numbers could be very, that's why I say this, this sometimes becomes if not the most expensive, it definitely becomes the most expensive insurance that they actually put in place as a business. Even over workers' comp and liability, uh, employee benefits, or what we call health insurance, it also equates, you know, dental and all those other benefits, but it becomes a very expensive proposition.
0: We wanted to take a quick break to tell you more about SB Pace, the small business consulting company that makes this podcast possible. SB Pace, which stands for Small Business Planning, Advising, Coaching, Expertise, focuses solely on helping small businesses and entrepreneurs. Are you looking to start a small business of your own? SB Pace can get you up and running with a solid foundation that's built to last. Are you an existing small business in a slump or just looking for ways to improve what you do? We can help with that. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? SB Pace is the partner you need. You can find out more about SB Pace and what we have to offer by visiting our website, sbpace.com.
1: I had no idea that ACA was more expensive for you if you earned more money. I I don't know how I didn't know that. I really just thought it was based on, I don't know why I thought it was based on your age and your health.
2: Yeah, so it no longer is based on health at all. And that's the big debate, if you hear it on the news, about all these people losing pre-existing conditions, which if you actually read it, that's not what's going to happen. But that's where the big buzzword of pre-existing. So with the Affordable Care Act, all pre-existing conditions kind of went away. So now if they're not basing it on health, they're really only basing it on age. And the only way they can make it work, and it's not really working, but it is working for certain people, is based on income. So if I again, if I have a person that's making twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year, the Affordable Care Act is awesome. Even if I have a, if, let's say it was me, and I'm only making fifty thousand dollars a year, my wife doesn't work, I still have those same four children, then the Affordable Care Act actually looks really good. But when you start getting over fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year of income, now the Affordable Care Act is not not as pretty. And what ends up happening? And hopefully I'm not getting too much in the weeds on this, but what ends up happening is now all of a sudden I have a higher deductible, higher copayments, a higher drug plan, and a higher premium. So the Affordable Care Act is awesome when you're not making very much money or uh, you could be making more money. But as you start going up the scale, and that's why there's the big debate, um, because it really helps a lot of people. And those people probably need to be protected. But there's a lot of people that it is so punitive to be on the Affordable Care Act, and that's the only thing they can get on um, with high deductibles if it's not offered through their corporate plan. The difference between the corporate and the Affordable Care Act is really not only co-insurances, but it's really deductibles and the cost of monthly premium. Um, So they just really need to do their due diligence because it's not just, well, I'll pay for it, but what does that really mean in dollars? It could be you
1: know, real dollars. That's great information. Um, I'm sure our, a lot of our listeners are going to find that informative. I want to switch gears a little bit and ask a question around um, loans, borrowing money for small business owners. You have a number of um, clients and friends who own small businesses. And I mean, as you know, this has been a tough year for small businesses. So, One of the questions that we frequently get is, is it better to take out an SBA loan or better to borrow against your 401k? And I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are and things that people should consider when they're trying to decide what to do in terms of getting some additional cash for their
2: business. Well, I would say primarily I would look at the SBA loan and that's why I kind of started off the segment talking about the relationship with a community bank and a community banker specifically, someone that's been doing it for a while. Uh, Using their um, expertise can really help you grow as a business, especially if you build a long-term relationship. So that would be my suggestion. That's what I've utilized in our company here. As we've gone out and and utilized different loans, um, different lines of credit. So if we have a slow month or if we wanna grow and we just think there's an opportunity out there, we're able to pull from that. It's already available. They usually allow you to hold them for a certain amount of time. Usually it's about 12 months. And if you don't use it, then you just have to re-sign and state that you have good financials the following year. But you can do it ahead of the need so that you're ready when the need comes available, whether it's like uh, Corey, I think you mentioned earlier, whether it's equipment or whether it's people, you have the money set aside. And I will tell you this: if this time, where I think everybody's learning, <laughs> learning on the job right now how things are changing, um, if you have cash and if you have a line of credit from the bank or um, an SBA loan, whatever that is, if it's open. You want to keep it open because now you have the ability to get cash um i will say the banks are always your friends when you're doing well the banks are never really that friendly when times get tough (laughs) yeah that's for sure if you have things open and available um it's a lot harder for them to just close it down so we always just say make sure you have you know even when people retire which is completely off the subject but even when people retire they always ask me, do I want to pay off my house? I'm like, that's fine, but you always want to keep an equity line open, because you just don't know. You need to have access to cash, just in case, because when you're retired, or when you're just starting a business, it's almost the same thing. You're now almost starting over, and the banks see that. So, you just want to, if you have the ability of having some kind of leverage or loan from a bank, keep it available, and I would utilize that
0: speaking of of having cash and cash available and all that, and there's like the old adage of you should always pay yourself first and, and all that. And I, and I know you can't get into specifics, but when it comes to um, just setting yourself up financially, like, so for instance, I'm, I'm very like, I, I, I have no problem with risk. You know, I'll throw it all on the line and, you know, probably to a fault because I probably should be putting more away than I am right now. Like, is there anything like in terms of like, <clears throat> you know, what people should be thinking about just to like take care of themselves. And then, like you said, keeping things more liquid. So we've had a couple of conversations and I keep asking you like, Hey, what should I do with that? And you're like, just keep it liquid. Just keep it liquid. And I'm like, but I feel like I should be doing something with this. And you're like, Nope, just keep it liquid. Um, like, do you have, do you have any advice for, and I know I mean, it,
2: it, every scenario you know, is different, but just kind of, you know,
0: overarching advice for people.
2: That's, that's a great question. I think with uh, especially with small business owners, The hardest thing to quantify is what the value of your business is. So as you're growing, you're actually, it makes the most sense to throw money, especially if it's successful, back into your business where you're not actually putting money into retirement accounts or just investment accounts uh, specifically. You're you're putting it back in the business, and that's probably what you should be doing. Um, You're investing in yourself. For those individuals that want to put money in, in on top of that, I always suggest that you first put it in cash, even though, Corey, you don't like that answer. Um, <laughs> but, but cash is king when things get tight. And I think more importantly, you got to look at timing of where you are as a business, where you are in certain cycles, investment cycles. Right now, we're getting ready to come in on an election. I think that was more what that was based around, is let's wait to see what happens with the election before we get a little bit more aggressive. And then also, what is your time frame? Like, you know, how far out are you from retirement? Those, all those factors come into your decision-making process on where you're going to put the money. But initially, I would say for small businesses that are really trying to get ahead, you're going to want to invest in your, yourself first, so your company. Two, you're going to want to put some cash aside. Whether it's corporate cash or individual cash, it doesn't really matter. It's still your money. And then thirdly, and what's important to grow is really starting to look at retirement account assets. So putting in a 401k or a simple IRA, depending on your size, um, and just making sure that you let your employees know that the benefits there and that it is, it is an important benefit to have.
0: Okay. We're appreciate the, the, the answer there. And I'm still going to keep bugging you because I feel like I need to do something with my cash, but, <laughs> 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 but like I said, we're running out of time. So one last uh, question or, or, or comment from you, if you could, if you could have give, you know, small business owner one piece of advice, and you'll never be able to talk to them ever again, what would that be?
2: Build relationships with people that you can trust. And what I mean by that is if you have somebody that you can trust that, as we mentioned multiple times throughout this podcast, is a uh, local community banker that's well-respected, build that relationship. If you have someone that helps you with financial planning, build that relationship. If you have someone that can help you with benefits, build those relationships because Ultimately, I think all of us are successful um, based on some skill set that you have as a business owner, whatever business you're in, but it also is based on relationships. And the more people that you can trust and rely on and throw ideas to, you're going to be so much more successful as a business. So I would just say continue to grow the relationships and use those relationships to grow as a business.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Ross. It's uh, great advice. Great advice. Can you uh, go ahead and tell everybody where we can find out more
2: about you and your company? Yeah, so we, we do have a web page, even though you know, the company was started in 1928, we started uh, updating some of, our, <laughs> some of our literature recently. Um, so you can find us on www.freedenwealth.com, which is uh, Freeden F-R-I-E-D-E-N, wealth.com. And you can always do the old school thing and call us. You can reach out, we're in Virginia Beach, Virginia. We do uh, work with people all throughout the state, and like I said, in, in multiple ventures throughout the country. Um, so if you just had questions, you just want to run ideas by us, if you just wanted to ask us more information about certain benefits, and feel free to reach out to us. Phone number here is 757-340-9777.
1: Great, thank you so much for joining us today, Ross. And thanks to our listeners. We really appreciate you tuning in. And we will put everything Ross just said in the show notes.
0: And you can connect with us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to reach out to us uh, in any other way, you can check us out on our website at sbpace.com and bizquickpodcast.com.
1: And while you're out there surfing the internet, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast and like us. And while you're at it, give us a review.
0: Because we love feedback. Yes, and we do. And while you're giving us feedback, reach out to us about any topics you might want us to cover or if you want to be a guest on the show. And lastly, we have a book out there. It is called Seriously, Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It's available on Amazon and you can find out more about it on our website as well. I'm
1: Julie, and I'm Corey, and this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.